media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. Open your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 6. doesn't seem like it was that long ago that Carly and I were um, one of the first generations to actually do this. First generations to do what? Uh, that we were parents of children that were learning to drive that had cell phones. Now, cell phones, you know, were, you know, they had those in the 1990s. They were there. But as far as, it wasn't until 2007, about the time that our oldest daughter was learning to drive and going out there, that the, the iPhone was invented. And all of a sudden, it really changed kind of the, the whole complexity of things. Before that, remember the flip phones and all those kind of things? You know, and, and text messages, you know, you can get like a, a line. In fact, trivia, anybody know what the first text message ever sent was? No, it's Merry Christmas to, to, to somebody that was, um, that had invented that. He sent it to like other collaborators or something and he put Merry Christmas, the very first text message ever sent. Uh, so if that wins you a million dollars one day, I just want my cut. Okay. And <laughs> so, you know, but all of a sudden, you know, we have these, these girls that are going out there and especially by the time Bethany came along, cause she's uh, six years younger than our oldest one. I mean, the phone was, you know, just already there, a part of their lives. And one of the things that we had to kind of, you know, demand and make sure, not always leading by example, <laughs> that, you know, when you're in the car, the phone is off or it is just totally there because it can be such a distraction. And so we know we come upon, we were part of that first group that really kind of had to do that. Now, if you're a parent and you're either have young drivers or you're about to have young drivers, you know that that's probably one of the scariest things in your life. So put your phone away. This is not part of driving why? Because it needs your full attention. Well, I share that this morning because it demonstrates two truths that we're going to see in the Word this morning. Number one, how easily it is for us to be distracted. Would you agree with that? I mean, some of us more so than others. Again, again, squirrel. I'm over there. You know, I'm, my attention capability uh, is about like that. And some of you are very focused. Your laser vision, that's just the way your brain operates, kind of your whole personality. Others of us, all it takes is just one little thing going on over here, and all of a sudden our whole attention is uh, driven in that direction. So, But generally as humans, it's pretty easy to distract us. Number two, the high cost of the result sometimes of being distracted. Would you agree, for example, in that situation that there could be a very, very high cost of being distracted. Well, could that happen spiritually? I mean, you know, I realize as parents that this is a really big deal for you, okay, because it could be a matter of life and death. But spiritually speaking, when we come back, can we be spiritually distracted? Can we be vulnerable to distractions in God's call for our life? Well, I think we're going to see that as we continue on in Nehemiah this morning. To catch you up, uh, if you're new here, we just go through books of the Bible. We go pretty much uh, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Uh, we believe in expository preaching. We just want to preach the word. And um, this week we come to Nehemiah 6. And, and to kind of catch you up, if you've missed a week or two, or if this is your first time here, Nehemiah has been called by God to help build a wall around Jerusalem. Now, this has come after a 100-plus years where the Jewish people have been what we call exiled. They used to have Jerusalem. They were this mighty people. They were, it's, it's kind of like, you know, if you're, well, college, football, UGA, champions, 
Okay? And then all of a sudden, what if you went from that place to where you weren't the champions anymore? What if all of a sudden you became even cellar dwellers or something like that? And I'm not trying to propose that that's going to happen. I'm just going, okay, you, you had this place of prominence, and now you come to this place where you're not as prominent. That's what had happened to the Jewish people, not in football, but as a country and as a people. They had great prominence. God was blessing them, but because of their own rebellion, they kind of got big on themselves and less on God. God distributed them. He allowed them to go uh, under captivity to places like Babylon and, and other places, and, and people were over them. And so they've been gone for a while, for several, several generations. And then God starts to, through Ezra, starts to bring them back, starts to bring them back so that they can become God's people again. And one of the things that really needed was this building uh, back of Jerusalem. The walls of the city back in the Old Testament were really, really important. It was a sign of prominence. It was a sign, a sign of uh, the prestige, but also protection. And so one of the first things that, that God laid upon Nehemiah's heart was that, that he would lead the cause of building back the walls that were surrounding Jerusalem. We've been following that for five chapters now. And we see that even with God's call, you can face opposition. There's these guys, Senbalit, Tobiah, Geshem, uh, they're going to be mentioned again. These three guys are other local leaders. They're leaders of other provinces in the area. And the one thing that they do not want to happen is for Israel or Jewish Judah, the Jewish people, to come back into prominence because that would kind of cut into their turf. And so it's one of those things, there's a little bit of a turf war, a power kind of pull here. And so far they have mocked the Jewish people. Remember what they said about when they built back some part of the wall? That even if a, a fox, and you know, even if a little, I mean, how much does a fox weigh? They said even if a fox got on there, your, your wall would come tumbling down. And it didn't. And then they started becoming much more aggressive. They made plots to actually come in there and violently kind of storm the city. And so we saw Nehemiah said, okay, here's what we're going to do. You're going to have, you know, a brick in one hand and concrete in one hand, and you're going to have a sword in the other hand. So that if they tried to attack, that we're ready. And we said that the Christian life, even though it is the blessed life, it's kind of a hard life. And just because we're Christians doesn't mean that God all of a sudden kind of puts us in this kind of this uh, area where nothing can penetrate and troubles can't come our way. So that kind of catches us up today, is that they've tried mockery, they've tried attacking, they've tried spreading dissension among the, the Jewish people themselves. Now, when we open up the sixth chapter of Nehemiah, look what happens. The wall is almost finished. I mean, really kind of incredible. Something they thought, man, we could never do this. And yet, Nehemiah had faith because he knew that God had called him to do that. And yet, look at the opposition that that continues against Nehemiah and the Jewish people. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. Now when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab and the rest of the enemies heard it, that is, heard about the wall being, and, and that it was being accomplished, that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left in it. And in other words, everything is now connected. Although up to that time, I had not set up the doors in the gates. Sanballat and Geshem sent to me saying, Come and let us meet together at Hekfurim on the plain of Ono. But they intended to do me harm. 
Okay, so this is going on for, for weeks now. They're building back everything. These same people that have been kind of their adversaries, they're thorn in the flesh, thorn in the side, come back and, and they decide one more tactic. Hey, let's get him away from the wall, away from the calling that God has placed upon him and, and have him meet us out there. I don't know if they promised vacation. I don't know if it's like anybody ever do service and, and do the commercial that you saw for the Marines, the, you know, the, the Navy, whatever it was, come, we'll put you in Hawaii. They didn't tell you about all the other stuff that you're going to do in Hawaii. They just said, okay, here's the promise. And I don't know if that's what's going on. We're not really told what was the, the catch. They said, hey, we're just going to meet together. And so all of a sudden, they're trying to call him away from the wall. Would it be that God could call you to do something in your life, that God could actually, you know that God has called you to be this Christian husband. He's called you to be this godly mother. What do you think that sometimes there's going to be opposition against that, just like what we've seen? But could there be times that you're actually distracted from your call? Would that be like a human thing that really happens? It does. I would venture to say that there, uh, almost what Ricky was saying, that there's probably more apt to distractions today than ever before. And I'm not saying that a farmer 200 years ago just kind of, you know, riding around on the back of a mule or plowing the field didn't have distractions, but it probably was a squirrel. It probably was this, oh, okay, this weather front's coming in. There wasn't this constant bombard to take our mind and our heart in a totally different direction than God's call. And yet we live in that world today. And guys, we can be all critical about the world and this, that, and the other. The fact is, this is where we live. God knows what we would face in 2022. And I promise you, he has the supply for that. Nothing has happened that God goes, you know, I really wasn't prepared for this. Man, this whole social media thing, man, this all this ability to, to do all these other technological, none of this surprises God. And yet he's still in the business of calling people. Calling people in general, Christians in general, and calling people in very specific ways. For example, some of you have been called to homeschool. It's a very specific calling. And it can be very, very overwhelming when you first, how do we even do this? And so it goes from a very general thing to a very specific thing. And you will find opposition but one of the things that you will find as you've done, and many of you can testify about this, this this morning, is distractions. And one of the things that we, you know, opposition is kind of clear to, to identify. It's kind of like good and evil. That is bad and that is good. Distractions, however, sometimes come in the ability of good, better, best. Would you agree with that? that there's something that can be good. It's not evil. It's not like it's sinful or something. But what is the, the ability to discern what is good, better, best? That's what we begin to see in this passage. Any parent knows the dangers of distraction. I mean, if you're a parent, you know the dangers of distraction. How you just want to finish dinner, okay? And all of a sudden you hear from a, a scream from the other room. And it, it, is that reality? Uh, the reality, not, not, to, not trying to be crude or anything, but you just want two minutes alone to go to the bathroom. And yet, that's the very time that the kids have the list of demands of what they need. You know, it's just one of those things. It's easy to be on task to kind of do what you feel God is calling you to do to raise a family in the beauty of the gospel. And it's not so much that evil, certainly there's evil out there. We've seen that in the first five chapters. 
But sometimes it's just distractions. And do you have the discernment this morning to be able to say, you know, it's easy to discern between good and evil, but what about good, better, and best? Other times you have this scenario, but it's it's not so much life-threatening. It's not so much a scream from the other one, but just the simple frustrations that come in there. Or all of a sudden your, your, your child found scissors and decided that they were going to give themselves a haircut. Have you ever had that happen? Usually they don't do it quite like the stylist in the barbershop, you know, or something like that. You know, It's like all of a sudden patches are just there. Folks, this is life. It's life as God calls us in something as general as go out there and be light in a dark world. It's distractions that can happen and opposition that can happen in specific calls upon our life. When all else failed, even the threat of attack, Nehemiah's enemies tried to use distractions to just get him off task. Hey, come, come out here to this plane. Uh, we think that it was about 60 miles away. Hey, just come out here. We'll give you a week vacation. We just want to meet with you. We want to talk over some things. And they just wanted to get him away from the task. We don't know what, but this is, I want you to notice what happens at the last part of verse 2. God gave Nehemiah discernment to know what? But they intended to do me harm. As a husband and wife, as a parent, as a young person trying to just grow up and say, okay, what, what does God want for my life? You know, what, what's the next move after college? Would you believe that discernment is going to be needed for you to really do what God has called you to do? I mean, it can be as general as just, okay, God has called me just to live for him. And, and I don't, I don't, you know, want to take that away, but I truly believe that we have such a personal God that he truly does have a personal call upon each one of our lives that's really kind of different. And, and so that not only do we need to hear that, but even after we hear it, that we have to be able to navigate that by our own strength and our own power. No, by the guidance of the Holy Spirit, God with us to guide us. And part of that will be discerning good from evil. But that's actually the easy part. The harder part sometimes can come between discerning good, better, and best. Nehemiah sends a, a sorry cannot come. And yet they just keep on coming back after him. In fact, they did it four different times. He said no, and they invited him again. He said no, they invited him again. Four different times. Then look what happens in verse 3 and 4. And I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? Is there wisdom in that? Please do not hear this from a pop psych vantage point, but from a gospel-centered vantage point. Is there power in saying no? There really is. I mean, we could do all the pop psych and, you know, kind of like, you know, enable yourself to say yeah. Folks, as, as godly people, discerning to want to be godly people, mature godly people, and, and wanting to follow God's call upon our lives, there's going to be times that we have to have the discernment to be able to say no. It can come in a complexity of ways. And maybe as you're looking and evaluating different things for your children, okay, they're already involved in this, and they're already involved in this, but man, this really looks good too. And it may be the simplicity of saying, you know, for right now, two things are enough. We don't need to add a third. It may be something as simple or as complex as that. 
And maybe the, maybe you're the, the you're trying to provide for your family, guys. You're going out there and you're working, and there's advancements and all this, and the job is really heavy and it's demanding, and yet you know that God has called you to be this gospel influence on your wife. Go read Ephesians five twenty five, washing her in the water, presenting her holy and blameless. This high call to to lead your wife and to love her well, but also to lead the children well. That's a high call. And yet at the same time, do we have to put bread on the table? And I'm not saying that guys are the only ones that put bread on the table. Many of you ladies are, are helping with that. And, and some of you as single moms, are you're, you're doing that all by yourself. It's complicated, guys. And now more than ever do we need to have godly discernment so that we can say yes and we can say no. He says, you know, why, why would I leave the work? And how does he describe this great work? How, why, why would I leave that? Because I know that God has called me. And they sent to me four times in this way, and I answered them in the same manner. What was his motivation for staying on task? That he knew that it was God's call and that it was a great work. Is discernment a relevant skill needed in your life today as a Christian? I mean, I think it's easy to say, but Nehemiah had such a godly call that, you know, in his life, it was a pretty big thing. It made the Bible. Hey, it had to be pretty important. I don't have that godly call. Guys, I could not disagree with that kind of mindset more than, than I could say. If you are a Christian, God has placed a call upon your life. Some of that is very, very general. Go and make disciples. That is a, a command to every believer. Everyone who is a follower of Jesus Christ, he said, go and make disciples. Does that need discernment in this day and time of how we use our time and our energies and the focus of our hearts? Yeah. Uh, he's called us to be ambassadors for Christ. Uh, we read in the Bible how he brought us a ministry of reconciliation, and now he said, I want you to be ambassadors, and now I have given to you this ministry of reconciliation. Given to us? God, you, you keep that. Jesus did it really good and we don't want to mess that up. Now he said, I've called you to be ministers of reconciliation. What does that mean? He said, we just go out there and we live out the gospel. We, we love the gospel and, and, and we want the gospel to go forth. Those are general calls to every believer. If you're here today and you've put your trust and your faith in Jesus Christ, that is your call. But then it gets even more specific. If God has called you to be married, the call to, to love your spouse well. If God has called you to have children and develop and have a family, He's called you to, to have a gospel-centered family, to, to grow up your, your children, not only in the knowledge of Christ, but in the vibrancy of Christ. Does that take discernment more than ever? From the general to the specific. Hey, here are the broad things that he's called every Christian to do. Hey, I call you to homeschool. Hey, I'm calling you into the ministry. I've called you to this. God is a very, very personal God. And he has called us into very, very personal things. And I would venture, guys, that now more than ever we need discernment. 
Not that they didn't need discernment a thousand years ago, but we have more possible distractions today than ever before. Look what happens after he refuses this invitation four times. There's a fifth time, verse 5. In the same way, Sambalit, for the fifth time, sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand. And it was written. It is reported among the nations, and Geshem also says it. In other words, we're going to start this rumor, and we're going to have other people to kind of feed this rumor. Also says that you and the Jews intend to rebel. That is why you're building the wall. And according to these reports, you wish to become their king. Have you seen anything that God called Nehemiah to do that says that Nehemiah is going to be the king? Does he, has he shown any intentions? Hey, I'm going to build this up. I'm going to get everybody working for me. And then when it's all done, I'm going to sit on the throne. Now we don't see any of these intentions. Totally fake news. Totally just made up stuff here, guys. And yet his opposition does it not so much that all of a sudden that, that Nehemiah will believe this, but it will be a distraction to his real call. Look at verse 7 and 8. You've also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem. There's a king in Judah. In other words, there, you've even sent out people going, hey, you know, there's a king. Nehemiah is going to be the king. And now the king will hear of these reports. In other words, the king of Persia, which is kind of the, the commanding king over that whole area right now. We're going to go tell the king of Persia. Does Nehemiah have a pretty good relationship with the king of Persia? He really does. He's the one that sent him guards. He sent him timber. He sent him all these things. Total lies here. And yet sometimes, can even these lies that we know to be lies, can they be distractions to the call? That all of a sudden there's a little fire here and then a little fire there, and you you just spend time putting out little fires that don't help the call that God has placed upon your life. So how does Nehemiah react to all of this? Verse 9. For they all wanted to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from the work and it will not be done. We're going to distract them. We're going to get them over here. We're going to spread some fake news. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to get their minds off the task at hand and they'll just drop it. Is that what happened? No, because look at the last part of verse 9. But now, O God, strengthen my hands. What's that? A prayer. Remember what we've seen is this continual theme of Nehemiah? Praying and planning, praying and planning. And once he gets the plan, does he stop praying? No. He continues. Even if it's kind of what we call, this is more of what we would call this arrow prayer. You know, I've been praying all along, but have you ever had to throw up an arrow prayer? You know, like, okay, right now I need this help, God. In this, the urgency of this moment. And that's what he prays here. God, will you strengthen my hand? Two opposing purposes. They wanted him to drop the work that God had called him to. Nehemiah prays for strength to finish the work. Folks, there's three main ways that we develop godly discernment. And this is going to be a pretty boring list in one way, and I don't mean that in a sacrilegious way. But God has not really changed his method of, of revelation. He hasn't changed his his method of giving us discernment from the beginning to the end. What is that? His word, the truth of his word. Prayer. 
and humbling ourselves before seeking uh, and seeking wise counsel from growing and maturing Christians. Have you heard those three things before? We've preached a week ago to another book of the Bible. We're going to find those three things in times like this. We're going to find these kind of answers of God. Now, is it just because God can't come up with more than these three things? Folks, if you think that God couldn't write it in the sky, God can. Remember Wizard of Oz? (laughs) The Wicked Witch gets up there and starts, I forget even now what she writes in the air as she's flying around. Could God do that? Could God just paint in the sky today a message to you? He can. And maybe God would. His method of of truly kind of the way that he reveals and gives us discernment and leadership, the path to go. Since the beginning, I give you my word. I, I, I give you very much prayer, this communication that you can pray as, as Nehemiah is there. And seek out wise counsel. If God tarries Jesus' return for another thousand years, I don't know that there's going to be another four another five, or number six on that list. I think those three things that God has already supplied are sufficient to lead you in knowing God's will and then discerning how to really effectively live out God's will. Well, when the opposition comes, when they try to distract him, that doesn't work. They start with another distraction real quick. Verse 10. Now, when I went down to the house of Samiah and the son of Deliah, son of Mehetabal, that's my best attempt, okay, (laughs) who was confined to his home, he said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Let us close the doors of the temple for they are coming to kill you. They are coming to kill you by night. What's happening here? Hey, hey, Nehemiah, you're a marked man. They've put out a contract on you. So here's what we're going to do. Nehemiah, let's, let's go and hide in the temple. Does that sound like a logical thing to do? Somebody's coming after you? Go hide in the temple? At least we would think, okay, God's here in the temple. You know, this is a good place to hide. And how does, you know, Nehemiah respond to that? Look at verse 11. But I said, should such a man as I run away? And what man such as I could go into the temple and live? I will not go I'm not going to hide. God's called me to build this wall. And I'm not going to let some death threat kind of dissuade me. Now, in some places, that, that seems kind of crazy. But Nehemiah, they're coming after your life. And what good can a dead man do in building a wall? I mean, couldn't we make a common sense kind of decision that, okay, this is probably a good thing. Go hide out. And yet, why is Nehemiah, why does he have the ability to be so definite here? Discernment. Discernment. And he discerns that God is calling him to... Why would I leave what God has called me to do? For everybody said, that's kind of wise, you know, it's kind of practical. Could you not make the case without being totally overly spiritual? Well, if God has called me to do this, he's going to protect me as I'm doing it. I mean, next week when we have these that are going off... To Poland right now to spread the gospel. 
could you make a legitimate, practical kind of, hey, that's probably, I would wait a year. I would wait for things to settle down. And yet, yet next week, you know what you're going to hear? Is that God has not decreased their desire to go and be planted. He has increased their desire to go. Why? Because now all these Ukrainian refugees are there in the midst of fallen. They said these people need the hope of the gospel more than ever. More dangerous than ever? Yes. But they need the hope the more. Guys, we need discernment for God's call in our life. Verse 12. And I understood that and saw that God had not sent him. What is that? How would we describe what he just did in verse 12? Discernment. <laughs> did, did the guy have a, a, a hat or something, you know, a shirt? I'm telling a lie. No, he comes and he wants to be believable. And yet the Spirit of God gives Nehemiah this ability to discern. He even goes as far as in verse 13 to say, did not do this, but he would equate to sin. Folks, we need discernment with dealing with all the distractions that come our way. Now let's finish. Verse 15 and 16. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elul in 52 days. I mean, that would be remarkable today. You'd still be getting your permits done if you were trying to do that today. There would be still some government action there going, okay, we can't sign on this quite yet. 52 days. They, I mean, this is a big city. And they've rebuilt the walls that have been down for a 100 years. These walls have been in, destroyed for a 100 years. And in 52 days... God enables them to build them back up. Verse 16. Please, this is our hope. This is our encouragement. This is our call. Look at verse 16 as we conclude. And when all of our enemies heard it, and all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem. Look at the last part. For they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. What just went on? Not only did they finish the task, the call, they completed the wall, but now all those that were opposing them had to sit back and in their own minds, their esteem for themselves went down and their esteem for Nehemiah's God went where? Up. Remember Nebuchadnezzar and and the three young Jewish boys thrown in the fire? He said, man, did you, did you not put three in there? I see four. And even for that moment, Nebuchadnezzar, I, I wouldn't say that he became a believer, but he was impressed and he made much of the, the God of Israel. Will God call you generally and specifically? Will you find people that mock you in the first chapters? bring actual aggressive actions against you and even distractions try to distract you? Yes. But here's the thing, guys. Husbands, you you love your wives as Christ loved the church. You start making that a priority of being, you know, leading in a way that you just, the sacrificial love for for your wife and to, to raise your children to know the gospel. 
I hear stories of some of you that are not, you're reading to your children, you're doing this, and I know you're tired because I can only imagine all the things that you've done during the day. And one of the easiest things in the world is that night just going, okay, we're just going to have to skip tonight. Because I'm just, that daddy's tired. You been there? Mama's, mama doesn't have a breath left in her. And guys, please hear this. Please don't hear this as some task to accomplish to impress God. I just know that there's going to be distractions to any commitment that we make, any call that God has placed upon our lives. There's going to be opposition. There's going to be distractions. And we need discernment and say, no, this is priority. And if it's the last breath I have, I want to share the hope of Christ to my girls, to my boys. I want them to grow up to be godly men and women. This is our call. And yet there will be distractions. And we need discernment so that we can stay the task. And here's the hope, here's the hope. Not only will God complete the wall, the call that He's placed upon your life through His power, but others will notice. Not that we do it for that, but others will notice. Did Jesus say, let them see your good works? before man, and they will glorify your Father in heaven. It's not so that they can pat you on the back and say, you know, you're one of the finest husbands we've ever met. You're one of the greatest dads or moms that we've ever met. No, that we would that just they would say, man, what God do you serve that we see you kind of being led by his spirit and by his call? Tell me more about this God. This is our hope. That even the opposition would start saying, hey, We don't know how, but man, you built that wall in 52 days. And we know that that's not humanly possible. There must be something about your God. And may we be the people that reflect that for his glory. Not for ours, but for his glory. That's our call, guys. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you. Father, would you help us to identify distractions in in our lives this morning? Father, would you you allow us to to really have discernment? Not just about good and evil. Father, that's a task by itself. But between even good, better, and best. Father, thank you that you're a God who calls, that you call personally, that you call one to do something that you haven't called anybody else to do. Father, you are that personal of a God, and yet it's overwhelming, and we find all this opposition in our life. But Father, sometimes that opposition is simple distractions. And Father, we can use all the bumper stickers that we want, keep the end in mind, and all that. There's there's measures of truth, all that. No, Father, what we need is godly discernment. That you give from your wisdom by your grace, through your spirit. That's what I need this morning, Father. Godly wisdom that comes from your wisdom, through your spirit, to empower me to to be able to discern between good, better, and best. So, Father, we thank you for this story. We don't want to moralize it, Father, but we sure want to learn from it that you are a God who has called us. Father, will you strengthen every husband here this morning? 
that they might love their wife as Christ loved the church. Will you, would you strengthen every wife here today that they would love their husbands in such a way, with such a respect, Father, that, that we would see a, the gospel living out in that marriage? Father, for those that you have given the privilege and the great call of being parents, will you, will you give them wisdom and discernment today? Not just against good and evil. Father, as earthly parents, we're pretty good at that. No, that's bad, Johnny. Don't do that. Father, what we need is godly discernment between good, better, and best. And the grace by which to, to train up our children in such a way. Father, keep our eyes on the beauty of the cross. On the beauty of the call and the beauty of the future that you have in store for us. We love you and we thank you, Father, as we pray all these things in the hope of Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.